actually uh, finishing up our series on James. This is our 13th week of James, um, and we've been kind of going through verse by verse of James through the summer. And uh, the title of our message has been "Living or Learning and Living a Faith That Works. Um, and basically, here we are in the week 13. We are going to wrap it all up uh, this morning and finish up James, and then we're going to be moving on to some different things in the coming weeks. And so I'm excited to be... To be Moving on from James, but I'm also kind of sad to be moving on from James. Um, I've enjoyed sharing with you verse by verse and going through it and, and enjoyed what God has been doing in that. So we're going to jump right in. We're actually going to be talking about the last two verses of James. Um, I titled this section Restoration. And basically it's, it's going to be the last two chapters, last two verses in uh, James chapter 5, starting with verse number 19. We'll start with that. It says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a, multiple, a multitude excuse me, of sins. Let's pray. Father, listen, we know we don't got a lot of time right now, but God, you, can do, you spoke the worlds into existence with a word. Time does not matter to you. And so, God, right now, I pray that in the time that we have left, that you would speak to hearts, that you would change us, you would make us more like you, and that you would help us. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, what we've been doing is we've been kind of going through James. Our, our main idea here, the main thought that we've had is basically James 1, 4, uh, b which is that you would be made perfect or mature in him, lacking nothing. Basically, all this book has been about has been James being helping us understand that we need to be growing. James doesn't mix words. He isn't necessarily at times very, very um, soft in his words. He basically says, listen, this is your goal. This is what I want. I want you to be growing. James was a pastor. He loved his flock and he loved the people that were going to read his letter. And what he wanted more than anything was for them to grow. So we have to look at that through that lens. We have to understand that what James is saying here is to help us to grow in him and grow in God and become more mature in him. So we're going to jump right in here. Point number one, we're going to talk about the wandering believer. And James fifth, or James 519a, it just basically says this. It says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. Now, you have to understand what I see here is wander. I don't know if you've ever wandered away um, from the area, but when I was a kid, we had a problem with me, and that was I was a wanderer. And I would usually wander at the places that would normally scare my parents half to death. You know, basically areas where there were a lot of people and there were a lot of things, mainly because I liked things like that were shiny. I liked shiny things. You know, you'd go to places. And my worst place that I would ever go to, because, and I, listen, I'm so sad about this. It still hurts my heart because my son, I used to take him even, you know, before, uh, you know, it all happened. But we would go to Toys R Us. Did you remember Toys R Us as a child? It was like, we're going to Toys R And it was just like you'd walk in and angels would sing. You know what I mean? And it was like toys and more toys and more toys. And as a boy, it was like you had to skip past all the pink girly section and get to the Transformers, the G.I. Joe, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all the good stuff. But once you got that, you got there, you lost sense of all time and space. You were just wandering in heaven of toys. And I would do that, and my mom would say, you stay here. And it was like my mom, you watch Charlie Brown? It was like that, wah, wah, wah. And I would be like, I was in a trance. I just had to get to the toys. And sometimes in our Christian walk, it's almost like that's what James is saying here. It's this wandering thing. We're going to talk a little bit about wandering. Because I want to kind of look at that first. So what does wandering look like? When James is using this term, he's using it on purpose. What does it look like? Well, it's effectively this. It's any deviation from the true faith. Okay? It's any deviation from the true faith. It can be accidental. It can be intentional. 
Sometimes what we do is we wander and we don't even know what we're doing. Sometimes that's what I see as a wanderer. Just, just kind of, I'm not sure where I'm going. I'm just kind of wandering around, not sure what's going on or what's happening. And that's why it can be a lack of focus. It can be a lack of focus. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. We don't have a plan. We're not allowing God's spirit to speak through us. And we need to understand that God has a plan for us. But when we wander, we kind of wander away because we don't have that focus. And finally, it can get us off track and possibly in danger. I don't know about you, but when I'm wandering, when I would wander around Toys R Us, there could be a hole in the middle of Toys R Us with, with sharks and, 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 and bears and everything else in there. And I would walk right into it. Why? Because I was so enamored with everything else. Sometimes in our Christian life, we do that. We allow those things to take place. And quite simply, what I need to ask you and what I want to ask you this morning is, are you a wanderer? Do you have a purpose? Are you moving in a direction? Are you allowing God to do something in you and through you? Because if you're not, you're wandering. We see that in Scripture. We see this concept of the Israelites. And what, would they, what did they do? They didn't hang out in the desert for 40 years. They didn't camp in the desert for 40 years. The Bible says that they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Now, why is that important? Because as a wanderer, they didn't enter the promised land. If you're wandering, you are not entering the promised land that God has for you. And that is a problem, and that is something that we need to understand. So we begin this section, James begins this section, by identifying the wandering believer. Next, because he's James, because this is how he works, next we're going to talk about the confronting of a believer. James 5.19b. In James 5.19b it says this, And someone brings him back. Now, why is that important? Because what we're seeing here is this concept of someone going out into the desert, going out to where someone is wandering, and bringing them back. It's not a, a, a benign thing. It's not something that just magically happens. It's literally someone going out, kind of bringing somebody along, grabbing them by the hand, and bringing them back. Now, I use the word confronting on purpose, because I wanted to use a word that in your mind was somewhat negative. I could have said something much more nicer or flowerier, you know. I said, no, I want to use confronting. Because I, I want that word to change in your vocabulary. Because the confronting of a believer, when it's done correctly, is a beautiful thing. And we see that later on. We see that later on. But listen, I know this is hard for people. And listen, let me explain something to you. If you are really, 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 really good at confronting and you really, 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 really like it, can you do me a favor? Will you check your heart, please? Because I have a feeling it's probably not in a good spot. Now, that's not an excuse not to confront in love, but it's also something we need to understand. So let's look at it. How to confront so that we bring someone back. That's our goal. How do we confront so we bring someone back? First, in love. It's got to be in love. That's the first thing. If it's not in love, it'll blow up. Okay? It's got to be in love. And that means not love of conf confronting, not love of confrontation, but love of the person that you are confronting. And not just like a court of kind of like, you know, like a really deep concern, a deep love. Deep, deep, deep. Next, with the goal of restoration. The goal here is not so you can act spiritually superior and act like, wow, look how great I am and how horrible you are. The goal here is restoration because that is the goal of our Father. Ever since the sin, ever since the mess up, what has God been doing with his creation and his created? He's been restoring us, and he will finish the work very, very soon, I truly believe. 
and it's going to be glorious. But our goal has to be restoration. If it's not, things will blow up in our face. Next, it has to be gentle. Listen, I had people say, well, I'm kind of a gruff kind of person. You know what? The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, so you need to get with the program. You say, well, and and look, now I'm not saying that basically that means that if you're kind of a gruff individual that all of a sudden you need to be somebody you're not. But you know what gentleness is. And no matter what, I've seen people that are kind of gruff. And then you walk up to them and you say, oh, listen, I need to go do this. Will you hold Rebecca for a second? Will you hold Emily for a second? And all of a sudden it's like that, that harshness and that just all over the floor. Just to hold that little child. It's there. It may be deep, but it's there. And there has to be some gentleness. Next, kindness. Kindness, just to be kind. Just to care about that individual. Next, it needs to be done prayerfully. Listen, you need to understand this, okay? There may be a situation where there needs to be some confrontation and some of those things, but God is not asking you to do it, okay? We enter into this prayerfully. If God says do it, we do it. If God says don't, we don't. I wish I could make it more complicated for you guys. But that's how simple it is. But it has to be entered into prayerfully, not flippantly, not, well, you see an issue and now you're going to deal with it. What does God say and what does God want you to do? And this final one I think is very important. It needs to be done in an established relationship. It needs to be done in an established relationship. One of the reasons why we do what we do here is because I want to establish relationships. Why? So that we can be joyful together, so we can cry together, so that we can hold each other accountable. Those things happen best in relationship. And we have to understand that. Listen, in case you didn't know this, okay, there is, and you're going to learn this about me. Now, not in all things, but in most things, and please hear what I'm saying here, there is method behind my madness. We are doing things to get to someplace else. We are doing things because I want God to be doing this in our lives. And this is one of those. I want that relationship so that not only can we have joy together and experience awesomeness together, but we can sit down and have hard conversations with each other in love, with grace and peace and joy, and basically look at each other and say, listen, I'm concerned about this. And then that relationship has already been built. And that relationship is already working in a powerful, strong way. So listen, you got to understand something. And I know this is hard sometimes to understand. And I'm just going to be honest here. I'm going to put on my James hat for a second. If God has asked you to confront someone that you are in relationship with, and you do not do it, I do not believe you truly love them. Okay? Listen, we throw around love all the time. I love you. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Okay? I just met him. What's his name? I don't know, but I love him. A week later, where'd he go? I don't know. Who's that? I don't know, but I love her. What's love? I don't know. (laughs) But I love him. Okay? Listen, that, that word... Listen, hear me here. That word is holy. And we should treat it as such. Quick story. Emily and I dated for like six, eight months, and we broke up. And, and, and through that first couple, uh, that first time we dated, you know, we were, we were, she was younger, she was young, I was just dumb, okay? Does that make sense? And we, we did, we told her we loved each other, and, and, and we started dating again later on. And I looked at her and I said, listen, I said, I've thought about this. I've prayed about this. I've hope, hopefully I've grown a little bit. And just so I just want you to know, I am not going to tell you I love you until the next words out of my mouth is, will you marry me? Because I want my love to have 
action behind it. You see, that's what Jesus has done. He didn't just say, I love you. He put his body on the line. He put his life down because he loved us. And listen, if we as a believer and a family are going to look at each other and say, I love you, there better be action behind it. Listen, I, every, every Sunday, if you haven't caught this, you better start catching it. I say I love you from this pulpit in front of God, in front of you. And you better know I believe every word of that. I will be there when you need me. If you will let me know. I'm not a mind reader, but I'll be there because I love you. And I want there to be action behind it because that is what has been modeled to me from my father. And if you say you love him, you'd be willing to do something about it. I'm not going to say to my son, I love you, and then not say anything if he's playing in the street. Get it? Okay? No, so if that means you're not ready to say I love you, then, then you'll do what I did. I looked at my wife and I said, I like you. I did. We, I have, there's letters that I've written at the end. I said, I like you so much. Seriously, go talk to her. I like you. People would look at us like we were nuts. I like you. And I did. First time I said, I love you, I was on one knee. And I said, will you marry me? If we're going to love each other, let's really do it. And that means sometimes it's going to have to be uncomfortable. It's going to mean sometimes in love, with restoration in mind, gentle and kindness, prayerfully, in a relationship, we've got to look at each other and say, listen, this concerns me. Listen, you're wandering, and this is not what God really has for you. Next, let's look at this, the restoration of a believer. This is awesome. The restoration of a believer. Look at James 5, 20. It says this, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So let's look at this. What does, what does restoration accomplish? What does it accomplish? Why are we wanting this? Why does God want this? Quite simply, it restores a focus and a direction. It gets us back where we need to go. It focuses us again and begins to move us towards Christ and moving towards what he has for us. Next, it saves us from death. Now, when I say death here, I'm not just talking about spiritual death. I'm talking about emotional death. I'm talking about spiritual death. I'm talking about physical death. I am talking about all these things, and it saves us from that. Next, it brings forth forgiveness. Brings forth forgiveness. Sometimes that, gets, that forgiveness is between God and us. Sometimes it's between us and a person. But it brings forth forgiveness when that restoration comes next. Next, it shows us that we are loved by man and God. Listen, I understand. I had people that come into my life and have looked at me and confronted me on things. It is not fun. It is not something that you go, oh, yay, someone has noticed how horrible I am as a person. And now they're coming and making it known to me. And I know that's hard. But listen, step away for just a minute. Sometimes you're right there in the right there and it's right in your face, you know what I mean? Step away and understand that when it's done right, it's done the correct way, when it's done the way God wants it to be done, it's because they love you. It's because they love you. My dad, over I'm over his knee, and he's expressing how much he loves me. And he would say the words afterwards. He'd look at me and he said, that hurt me more than it hurt you, and I love you, son. And I remember in that moment going, no, you don't. If you really loved me, you wouldn't have done that. And you know what? As I've grown and as I've matured, you know what I've learned? My dad loved me so much. Because I know how hard it is to, to, to discipline my son at times. And I know how much easier it would be just to let it slide. But if I love him, I'll discipline him because that's what God does for us. God doesn't discipline you because he's mad at you. He doesn't discipline you because he's angry at you. He disciplines you because he loves you. 
And we have to understand that. So I know it's not always easy. But listen, when you are being disciplined, when you are being restored, there's a restoration there. You're being loved by man and God. Finally, it restores relationships. You see, that's what happens with sin. Sin breaks us and it moves us away from our relationship with people and with God. And that's a problem. And we got to get back to that. And basically, it restores that. It brings us back. In 1 Peter 4, chapter or verse number 8, it says this. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Earnestly. That's an interesting word. Peter doesn't just say here, just keep loving each other. He's saying earnestly. There needs to be a great love, an expanding love, a love that has action behind it. Since love covers a multitude of sins. I love that. It covers a multiple, it brings us back into relationships with each other. And then just in case you're getting a little high and mighty, let's remember Titus 3, verses number 3 through 7. It says this, at one time, at one time, we too, now, now listen, for me, sometimes that's like this morning, okay? But at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved. There that word is again, how about that? But all, by all kinds of passions and pleasures, we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared. Now check that out. Listen, he brings us to repentance. Why? From shame and guilt. Does he look at us and say, I can't believe you, and if you don't get in the program, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do... No, no. The kindness and love. Now, if our Savior wooed us back and confronted us with our sin, with kindness and love, as his disciples and as his followers, why aren't we? Because we should. Kindness and love of our Savior appeared. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs. Heirs. Kids. Family. See, see how God does all this? Isn't it cool? Maybe, maybe I just think it's cool. Okay. That we might be heirs, having hope and eternal life. So just in case we get all high and mighty, we got to remember... That was us sometimes. Sometimes we are the person that needs to have that situation take place. And finally, James concludes his letter. Now, this is kind of an interesting way to conclude a letter. It's kind of a weird way to conclude a letter. But we got to understand this. James concludes this with this because this is exactly what he has endeavored to do through his challenging letter. This is exactly what he's trying to do. First, he is confronting those who have wandered from a living faith. James is not afraid to confront. And he is not confronting because he's angry. He's not confronting because he's frustrated. He's confronting his people and the people that are going to read his letter because he loves them, because he desires something great for them, because they're not living in the destiny that God has for them. Number two, he is endeavoring to save their souls from death. He understands what the wages of sin is. He understands that when you wander, you're not going to enter into the promised land that God has for you. And instead, he wants you to understand the seriousness of this situation. So he's basically looking at us and listen here. This matters. This is big. This is important. Next, he is demanding that we not only hear the word, but do it. He's basically looking at us and saying, listen, you can say it all you want, but your faith has got to have 
action behind it. It's got to be more than that. You can't tell somebody you love them and not be willing to do what love requires of us. You can't have a situation where you look at things and say, hey, listen, that's really cool and that's really great and I know all this stuff, but you live a different way. That's what we're wandering is. So he looks at us and he says, listen, if you're going to have a living faith, you're going to have something that's actually changing. There's got to be action behind it. And finally, he is doing this because a living faith will be growing, mature, and have its proof. And then he just closes the book. It just ends. No, see you later. No, thanks for reading my book. No, sincerely, James. He just ends it. As I was studying this week, I kind of was like, why? Why, why did it end so so soon, and, and the answer I got from some commentaries that I was reading was that basically this was typical way to end a book when people were, were, were kind of writing this way. So this was just normal, I guess. I wish I could give you some real deep, you know, like, well, this is why. It, it was just, this was the way the book ends. And as I was thinking about that and I was praying about it, I was like, you know, that actually makes sense to me. Because listen, if we can do these things what more needs to be said? I want you to think, and I want you to stop. Listen, I know we're just a couple of minutes. John and the worship team, if you want to come back up, we're going to close with a song. But I want you to look at this. How would our lives be different if we could do these things? How would our lives be radically changed if we could be willing to go to those that are wandering and help them? How would our lives be changed if we were willing to allow people to come to us and say you're wandering and not be like, how dare you? I can't believe you did that. They're jerks. Well, they're they're not perfect here and they're not perfect there. And instead say, wow, you're right. I need to rearrange some things. I need to be willing to let some things take place that are a little bit different. How would our lives be different if we were endeavoring to save souls from death? We were actively engaged with the salvation that God wants to bring to people. Next, that we would be people that didn't just hear the word, we'd do it. Listen, I am always very impressed with people's knowledge. It's awesome. It's great, great, awesome. You know, you know this, you know that. And I think knowledge is a big, big, important thing. Do not misunderstand me. But as you remember, way back when we started, we talked about this. I'm from Missouri, okay? You got to show me. You got to show me. And I believe God's the same way. You can know all the stuff. And sometimes what matters most is what you do. Your life matters. And it matters a great deal. And finally, that we would be growing, maturing, and that it would be obvious to people around us. Can you imagine how life would be different? Can you imagine how much more God would use us as a family and as a church and as individuals? Listen, I know it was 13 weeks. I tried to shorten it down. I just couldn't do it. And so I appreciate your understanding that it was kind of a long summer in James. And if I could say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it all down. You know, somebody's going to be like, well, then why didn't you? You know, but if I had to bring it all down, if you're going to remember anything, remember this. 
Hold this close to your heart. Let this be what changes us. Living and learning a faith that works. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, right now, we need to do a little self-evaluation. I know we're a little bit over, but it's been a good morning, and we're just going to be okay. And so, Father, right now, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to shame people because that is not of you. Instead, I'm just going to ask that the people that are open would allow you right now to open their hearts and that you would just literally, spiritually speaking, turn on a spotlight. Because here's the thing, you confront us because you love us. And we would look at these four things or maybe things that we talked about six weeks ago. I don't know. There's a lot to digest in James. And, and quite honestly, 13, that was as short as I could make it. We could have probably gone to like Thanksgiving easy. There's so much here to digest. There's so much meat that you desire for us to chew on. But at the same time, as James closes it all up, he's left us with this. And so, Father, if there's an area in our lives that, Father, we are not living in the destiny that you have for us, Father, will you confront us on it? Because we know you'll confront us in love with kindness and gentleness. We know that you love us so much and you just want us more like you. We want to be used by you and you want to do some amazing things in us. And that comes from us being willing to admit that we are not perfect, that we have issues and you are still working in us and through us. Father, we acknowledge our weakness. I acknowledge mine. There is no way we can do this without you. We need you. And that is a beautiful, awesome place to be. So God, right now, for those that are open, I pray that you would just illuminate, show them areas, show them things through your Holy Spirit, through your conviction, Father. Bring us to you. Bring us to you so that we might see what you desire us to change, so we might see what you desire us to do so that we can grow, become, be made more perfect in your eyes. We love you. And we're so excited about all you are, all you're doing in us and through us. We love you and we thank you.